Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers in our pleasures, but shouts in our pains. In other words, God normally teaches us the most when we're suffering. Today we are going to study the suffering and death of John the Baptist, and I think God will teach us a lot through this. So would you take out a Bible, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 6, and let's, let's pray. Father, we pray for people watching this program now who are physically suffering or their marriage is suffering or their children are in trouble or financially they're in trouble. Lord, we would pray that you would help us understand our sufferings and use them to bring us close to you. We ask you to speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here's the context. Jesus and the disciples are doing miracles. They're becoming famous. Even King Herod hears about it. Here's what happens next. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Now, this is not the King Herod who killed the babies when Jesus was little. Instead, this is his son, the next King Herod. So here's the first lesson today. Christians should influence the government. King Herod is the government here, and he's starting to take notice of Jesus. Christians, Herod, the government, should take notice of us. I will tell you something you might not agree with. I don't think America is a Christian nation. Once upon a time, I think you could maybe make that argument. Today, with abortion everywhere, gay marriage, pornography everywhere. I don't think you can maintain that America is Christian anymore, but Christians, we can at least try to influence the government. I will tell you, back in the 1950s, the Catholic Church rated movies, and if a movie got a C, condemned, Catholics weren't supposed to go, and Hollywood would lose money. So Hollywood would censor themselves to not get a C rating to keep the money flowing in. That's the kind of influence I wish we had again. We can't make Planned Parenthood and its abortion clinics go away. We can't make the ACLU go away. But Christians, we can support pro-life crisis pregnancy centers. We can support politicians that are pro-life and pro-traditional family. Uh, we, we can support the ACLJ, which tries to counteract the ACLU. So. I think you can make the point the reason America is such a mess is because Christians aren't influencing the government anymore. Look at verse 14. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him, in Jesus. The crowd thought Jesus was John the Baptist who'd been beheaded by Herod, come back to life. Here's the next lesson. The crowd is normally wrong. Just because the crowd thinks Jesus is John the Baptist doesn't mean that he is. Just because somebody says they have a 
Mary, the Virgin Mary appeared to them at Medjugorje doesn't mean she really did. And just because the, I mean, the crowd today in America is going very new age. We worship ourself. We worship nature. It's all about me and yoga and everything. Well, just because the crowd is into something doesn't mean it's right. The crowd is normally wrong. Here the crowd is wrong. Jesus is not John the Baptist. Verse 15. But others said, he, Jesus, is Elijah. And others said, he, Jesus, is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. Here's the next lesson. All that is wrong. Here's the next lesson. John the Baptist was Elijah. Now follow this. The last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, quote, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. In other words, before Jesus comes, John, uh, Elijah will show up again. And then it says this in Mark 9. The disciples asked Jesus, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come before you? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things, but I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking of John the Baptist. So the Old Testament teaches Elijah will come before Christ, and he did in the person of John the Baptist. But let's be careful here. The Bible is not teaching literal reincarnation. John the Baptist was not the reincarnation of Elijah. And I, I'll tell you where we get this from. The angel says this to John the Baptist's father before the baby is born. He, John the Baptist, will go before him, Jesus, notice, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, to make ready for the people, uh, uh, for the Lord of people prepared. Now, so notice, John was not the reincarnation of Elijah, but he had the spirit, the power of Elijah. And just a side note, if you know someone who says they're a Christian and they believe in reincarnation, the, the verse you got to show them is from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, quote, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Notice, not to die five or six times, you keep coming to earth as a person or a cow or a horse. No, you die once, <laughs> and after that comes judgment. Verse 16, but when Herod heard of it, he said, heard of Jesus doing miracles, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John the Baptist and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. Here's the next lesson. Suffering is part of the Christian life. John the Baptist suffers in prison and eventually dies. Uh, the, the, the question is, well, where's the health and wealth gospel for, the, for John the Baptist? Where's the happy, positive Christian life, abundant life for John the Baptist? He suffered in prison. He was beheaded. And I wish, I wish that the health and wealth preachers would preach that. <laughs> Listen, if you have taken a stand for Christ and you are suffering for it, nothing is wrong with your faith. God, is, God will bless you for suffering for Christ. And, but if your Christianity is all about me, 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 getting material blessings from God, it's all about me having a happy, positive, no, 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 you bought into a false gospel. I would say 50% of the TV preachers today are the health and wealth, name it, claim it, gospel preachers. That's not the gospel. I mean, um, I'll say this clearly. 
Jesus did not come to earth to bring you money. The reason Jesus came to earth was to die on the cross to save you from hell. Preach that, please, Joel Osteen. Verse 18. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Let me explain this. The big scandal of Herod's marriage situation was, the Old Testament teaches, you don't marry your brother's wife while your brother is still alive. That's what Herod did. John the Baptist is preaching against the king. Here's the next lesson. John preached against sin in the government. You know, people say, well, pa pastors shouldn't be preaching on politics. They should keep that all out. Well, John the Baptist preached against sin in the government. Maybe it's not proper for your pastor to say exactly who to vote for, but God forgive him if he doesn't periodically say, vote for candidates that want to protect human life, vote for candidates that want to protect marriage, and, and, and for us not to do that, John the Bap Baptist did. I, I will tell you, I, I'm a Lutheran, but I love it when the Catholic Church says, don't vote for this candidate. He says he's Catholic. He's pro-abortion. He's pro-gay. He does all this stuff. That's not a Catholic. I love it when the Catholic Church does that. I, again, I think the reason America is such a mess is Christians have stopped trying to have influence. Verse 19. Now here's the story of what happens to John the Baptist. Herodias, that's King Herod's wife that he shouldn't have married, had a grudge against John the Baptist and wanted him put to death, but she could not. For the King Herod feared John the Baptist, knowing he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When the king heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard John the Baptist gladly. But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, this is Salome, your name was, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask, I will give it up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. Here's the next lesson. God doesn't want you to keep an evil vow. Let's say you get mad at your mother and you say, God, swear to God, I'm going to kill her. Well, you swore to God that you're going to kill your mother. Does he want you to keep that vow? He does not. And it's possible you made a vow to God once that he never wanted you to make. You're free not to keep it. Back in the 1500s, Martin Luther was a Catholic monk. He'd taken a vow to be single, but there was lots of immorality in the Middle Ages between the, the priests and the nuns. And Martin Luther finally came to see that vow that I made was not something God ever wanted me to make, so he married a nun. <laughs> I mean, if you make a vow that God doesn't want you to make, you don't keep it. Now, the Bible does say this. Ecclesiastes 5, pay your vows. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. 
for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Well, that means if you make a pledge to God of a financial gift, carry it through, do what you told him. But it doesn't mean you kill your mother if you vow you're going to kill your mother. I want to tell you, I don't make vows to God anymore. Way back in 1973, I was in an auditorium listening to a Christian speaker, and he said, how many of you will make a vow that you will read your Bible five minutes every day for the rest of your life? Well, my hand went up. And you know, I, I do read my Bible every day, at least five minutes, but it, there's a legalism going on there, and Sometimes the only reason I read my Bible is because of that vow. And I don't know that that was good. I, I don't do that kind of, I don't make vows to God anymore. And, and I kind of get this from Matthew 5, 33. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king. Do not make an oath by your head. You cannot make one hair white or black, but let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. So I don't say swear to God. I don't like, when somebody says swear to God, I'm thinking, ooh, don't say that. And I don't, I don't even like the words, I promise. I just like to say yes or no, is what Jesus said here. Verse 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, John's disciples, they came, took his body, laid it in a tomb. Well, here's the last lesson. Sometimes God permits apparent defeats. It looks here like John the Baptist lost and Herod and his awful wife won. But let me tell you a detail that's not in the Bible. This comes from the ancient Jewish historian Josephus. After John was beheaded in the year 36 AD, an army comes against King Herod and defeats King Herod. And the people of his day saw that as a retribution on Herod for killing John the Baptist. So, you know, Herod wins for a while but it's only an apparent victory. I mean, for instance, John the Baptist died. He went to heaven. Where did Herod and Herodias go when they died? And I think what looks like a defeat in your life can really be a victory. John the Baptist loved God so much, he died for God. That's a victory. I mean, Soren Kierkegaard said, the tyrant dies and his rule ends. The martyr dies and his rule begins. I mean, right now in Iran, Iraq, Syria, Nigeria, Indonesia, parts, uh, parts uh, North Korea, Christians are dying for Christ. It doesn't mean that the Muslims are winning. When a Christian loves God so much he dies for God, that's a victory. It tells the world Christ is worth everything. I remember a Chinese pastor, and there's lots of persecution of the church in China. He said, don't pray for an end to the persecution of the church in China. He said, persecution, good for church. And I remember an old Lutheran pastor years ago saying, I pray that persecution will come to the church in America. Now, I don't pray that, 
But if you watch this show, you know how messed up the liberal mainline denominations are promoting abortion rights, promoting homosexuality, uh, promoting horrible theology. I don't pray for God to send us persecution, but I do regularly pray, God, clean up, purify the church in America. And if that means persecution, thy will be done. I want to close by asking you something. Can you think of one thing you can do this week to be like John the Baptist? What I mean is, can you think of one thing you can do this week to risk suffering for Christ? Maybe it's a relationship you need to break off. And that would hurt, but for the sake of Christ, you need to do that. Maybe there's a financial gift. You're supposed to send a check to some Christian ministry, and it might kind of hurt, but you would be suffering for Christ, but it would be good suffering. Maybe you're supposed to confront somebody, or you're supposed to apologize to somebody, but what I want to ask you to do before you go to bed tonight, just stop and pray, God, is there something you want me to do this week to suffer for Christ? Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, you talked about John Baptist in this sermon. What do you think John the Baptist would preach about America today? Mm-hmm. Well, let's ask, what did he preach in his day? He preached against King Herod committing adultery with his brother's wife. We got lots of adultery in America, Jackie. I think he'd preach against adultery, uh, pornography. You can't turn on your computer without sometimes even unwanting it, getting pornography in your face. I think he'd preach against premarital sex, which is, boy, Jackie, we've got so much sex before marriage in America. I think he'd preach against abortion. He'd preach against homosexual marriage. And I think he'd go after not only the government, I think he'd go after the church leaders that are promoting all that crud. That's what I think John the Baptist would do. Okay, what religions teach reincarnation? Yeah, uh, let's, let me just, all right. Christians believe in what's called the incarnation. Karnos is a Greek word meaning flesh. Incarnation means the enfleshment. We believe God one time became human flesh. His name was Jesus. God actually lived in a human body for about 33 years. That's called the incarnation. We all Christians believe in that. What we don't believe, which is what Hindus believe, is something called reincarnation. That when you die, if, you're not, if you haven't gotten rid of your bad karma, you've got to come back, and you've got to come back maybe as a human, maybe as a cow, maybe as something else, but you've got to keep coming back, keep coming back, till you get rid of your bad karma, and then you're absorbed into heaven or nothingness, something like that. Where did that teaching come from? Oh, it's from? an old, old teaching that, that predates Christianity. It, it's been around for a long, long time. Okay, so... What is the purpose of reincarnation? Well, again, this is why Christians who say they believe in reincarnation, I wonder if they know what it is. Reincarnation is where you save yourself by being good enough to empty yourself of, of bad karma. And if you're not good enough at the end of this life, Jackie, you've got to come back and try it again. The reason that is antithetical to Christianity is Christians teach we're not saved by being good enough. We never will be. Give us a thousand lives, we're never going to be good enough. God is holy. It's by the blood of Christ, his death on the cross. That's what makes us clean and forgiven and holy. So that's why Christianity and reincarnation do not mix. Okay. 
If a church is preaching on political issues, could they lose like their tax exempt status mm -hmm. in that in the United Actually, States? Actually, Jackie, I, I, I think preachers should be bold in the pulpit on the issues we've just talked about. And you know, this is true, Jackie, your pastor has the right to say who he is voting for and why, but your church, if your church officially endorses a candidate, then they can be in trouble with the IRS. But a pastor is free to, to say, he's got the First Amendment rights too, he's free to say who he's voting for and why. I don't know that that'd be wise. The wise thing to do is just preach on the issues and then say, now figure out which of these politicians are gonna support your issues. Well, but it, aren't churches then falling away from following God? Mm -hmm. I mean, if they're fearing the IRS, is that yeah. what you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, first of all, I, it, Jackie, it's, it's like this. If somebody says to me, Pastor Brock, you're guilty of discrimination. If you don't marry this homosexual couple, uh, we're going to get a lawsuit. I hope. I'm pretty sure I would. <laughs> I'll go to jail before I'll marry two men. It's just not what God's God wants, and so we need to take those stands and suffer. Okay. As long as we're talking about reincarnation and everything, though, I've heard this thing come up now about Christian yoga. Yeah. Is there such a thing as Christian J Jackie, yoga? Jackie, there's a liberal ELCA Lutheran church here in the Twin Cities. I drove by it, and it had a sign on the church lawn says, Yoga Classes. I went to the website of this ELCA Lutheran Church. They have a picture of a man sitting cross-legged like this. You'd think this was a Hindu Swami website. It's a Lutheran church, and it's a very liberal Lutheran church. And the reason Christians, I mean, Jackie, I do stretching exercises. That's different. Stretching can be great for you. But yoga is when you are trying to become one with God through meditation, through breathing. That's not how we become one with God. We become one with God through faith in Jesus, not by the way you sit and breathe. I happened to be in an office that I was waiting, and there was a yoga magazine mm -hmm. that was published here in the Twin Cities mm -hmm. about yoga mm -hmm. and how healthy it is for you and mm -hmm. everything and getting your mind straight yeah. and that. Yeah. And I was overwhelmed by some of the statistics mm -hmm. that were in that. Well, again, stretching is fine, but you don't have to chant a mantra to in order to become one with God. Okay. What are some of the misconceptions about Jesus today yeah. that people are are actually preaching mm -hmm. and well, we have to watch out? In John the Baptist's day, the misconceptions were that Jesus was John the Baptist, raised from the dead, or that he was a prophet, which he is, but he's so much more, or that he was Elijah. So there was big misconceptions about who Jesus was then. Today, I think the misconceptions are, if you're new age, they believe in Jesus. He's their guru. And they turn Jesus into a new age guru. And they've got books on how Jesus was really here before he came to earth, the time we, you know, all this stuff that they have. Uh, so Jesus is a guru, that's a misconception. That Jesus was a nice man, you know. You know, Jackie, I don't believe Jesus was God, but I think he was a wonderful teacher. And C.S. Lewis responded, look, Jesus claimed to be God. Either he is who he said he was, or he's nuts, but he's not a nice guy. Nice guys don't lie like that. So uh, you get the, oh, he's a wonderful teacher, but I don't believe he's God. That's a misconception. Um, or, or another big misconception, and this has made its way into the church, Jesus is our savior, 
But he's, there are other saviors for other people and other religions. United Church of Christ has that, some of them have that on their website, that Jesus is our gate to the realm of the divine, but that is not to say that other people with other gates are just as valid as ours. Baloney. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the only way. So there's, there's some misconceptions. All right, you talked about making a vow. So should Christians make vows or not? I don't. Because, you know, don't swear. The New swearing in the sense not of, don't swear with swear words, with curse words. But the Bible tells you, don't swear, just let your yes be yes or no be no. So I don't, even, I don't like to say swear to God. I, you know, I, I don't do that. But like when you take an oath for jury duty in that, isn't the way? There is, you know, the, the chief priest put to Jesus, I adjure you by, the, by, the, uh, by God Almighty, are you, the, are you the Christ? And Jesus responded, I am. So there, under certain circumstances, seriously for government, I think there's, there's a place for that. But the off the cuff, swear to God, Jackie, I will never, you know, that's the kind of stuff you got to walk so out. So an oath and a vow are not the same thing? Well, they're very similar, I think. If you make a vow or if you make an oath that you're going to give God $500, I, it, it kind of the same to me, yeah. Okay. Why has the church lost influence in the government? Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be, it's yeah, like it, the church is afraid now. Jackie, what I talked about, the Catholic Church having the C condemned rating, I remember that in the 1960s. And the girl across the street who was Catholic said, oh, don't go to that movie, it's got a C. <laughs> and Hollywood would clean things up to get rid of the C rating before they would release a movie. And, and the question is, why have we lost influence? I think it's because the church has become corrupt. When you've got in the Protestant churches, all the liberal theology that affirms anything. In the Catholic church, you've got some of these, you know, sex scandals going on. It so weakens the church that they're not willing to take a stand like they used to. That's tragic. So, but it's because of a minority or is it becoming the majority are changing? In the church? Mm-hmm. Well, the good news is that the big churches are still pretty biblical. You know, you, the, biggest, the biggest church in the country is the Catholic Church. The second biggest is the Southern Baptist Church. They're very biblical. The, these churches that embrace liberalism are shrinking and dying. The United Church of Christ, which is the most liberal, has just shrunk volume since they've embraced liberal theology. So, you know, God does judge a church that does that. Okay. Pastor Brock, we only have about a half a minute left. Okay. And it's gone fast today mm -hmm. with all these things. So do you want to close for us and sure. tell people? Everybody, let's just take a minute and pray for America. Let's just do that. Father, we pray that you raise up John the Baptist in the United States to call the church, to call the government back to sanity. Lord, we don't know what's going to happen. America is not going in the right direction. But Lord, may the Christians that are watching this show take a stand and be willing to suffer for Christ, just like John the Baptist. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.